When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. They're just not in any real rush, are they, to get it into the box? Francis eventually does. Sarich is in and scores! Have a late interest here. Sweet feet from Sam Sturridge. Spied his chance and yeah. gobbled it up. And the ball went in the box. That was the main thing. And it just shows you. Good morning and welcome to episode 76 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and it's usually Monday that we put the pod out, but due to last night's FA Cup encounter against Arsenal, myself and Jeff Hayward have delayed it for 24 hours so we can go over last night's antics at the Vitality Stadium. This is one of the quickest turnarounds we've done for Back of the Net, so yeah, we're quite pleased that We've got this done, it was about 10 hours ago I was leaving the stadium and here we are dissecting it already. So that is coming up. Also, of course, it's our first pod since Brighton as well. So we're going to take in some raw match audio. We'll hear your thoughts and we'll also discuss affairs at the Vitality after our 3-1 win with Neil Dawson as he joined me at the Barking Cat for a beer and some banter. Plus, in the episode, we're also speaking to the boys from Lashings. Now, you'll have heard Dave on last week's podcast giving some information about an event happening in April with three sporting speakers, and they're all cherry-related, Luther Blissett, Steve Jones and Paul Morell. We speak to Dave and also the voice of Lashings, Scott Charlton. Again, that was in The Barking Cat, as they give us a bit more information on this special evening that's happening on April the 2nd. Can't wait for that. We've also got Do You Remember coming up as well. We'll do that after Brighton. But before all that, just wanted to say thank you so much for all your support. The YouTube channel has now, well, we are on over 1,000 subscribers, which is 
not bad considering we launched it in August. And also, listeners to the podcast have gone through the roof in the last month or so as well. So thank you to everyone that's been sharing, retweeting, doing your thing on Facebook, or even telling your friends. It really is appreciated. Right then, order of the day then. Of course, we're going to be covering Arsenal, but first... Brighton. We've got your match thoughts. The chat with Neil Dawson is coming up. But first, I'm sorry, but there are a few F-bombs. Here is some raw audio. So if you've got some youngsters in the car, you might want to turn this down. And by the way, this audio seems to be brought to you by the words get and in. You'll see what I mean. God, we got that third. Just got back, absolutely buzzing. Uh, it's great to see us win. When I saw the lineup, I feared the worst, but everybody played well. I thought. I said to my mate uh, during the game about half an hour in, it's weird to be dominated by Brighton with our possession when a couple of years ago we'd be the ones dominating them. Um, but yeah. Ramsdale, what a keeper. Immense, absolutely immense. My man of the match. Thought Rico looked good and Lerma looked good. Uh, they're also standouts for me. Great to see Callum back in the goals. 3 0 up. We looked like we were starting to get our old confidence back. Uh, it was great to see, really. The fans were amazing where I was sat in the South Stand. They really got behind the team. Became the 12th man. Uh, G'd the boys up. Yeah, 
it's just just a great night really good to see us back in the points a really positive performance and long may it continue yeah up the cherries yeah game against Brighton last night uh, team selection more or less what everyone thought obviously there's one or two Lewis Cook fans but um, again more or less as we'd expected uh, took my normal seat in the main stand next to my chum Bill Wilson um, game started probably much the same as several other games we played recently um, looked at the stats um, 70% over 70% possession for Brighton. I think they had in the first half hour, they had seven shots. We had zero. Um, crucially, we didn't concede in that period. Um, then there was a moment where Rico got forward, narrowly missed. Um, but this led to a flurry of forward momentum from which the two goals followed. Um, Harry Wilson... My, my chum Bill Wilson next to me claim, is claiming some sort of family connection. Unbelievable. Um, anyway, half-time, 2-0 up. We had a little bit of hospitality at half-time. We had uh, cream cakes and cheese and biscuits. Uh, unusually, we had a selection of meat and vegetarian pies. Um, very nice. Uh, second half, Callum. Smart finish for the third. Strangely enough, Bill Wilson next to me is actually claiming Wilson family tree thing again. I mean, unbelievable. Um, previously, he told me he's from Dublin, but he sounds about as Irish as Harry Arter. Anyway, um, huge effort from the whole team. Uh, I was thinking during the game, I probably couldn't pick a man of the match, but Aaron Ramsdale, you know, what the actual. Probably currently turning the player of the season into a bit of a procession. Um, so a better performance um, we appeared to do to Brighton what a lot of teams have recently been doing to us interestingly uh, Brighton had more possession and more shots than when they comfortably, comfortably beat us last month so I don't know what it tells you but there we go so as I said to my missus one swallow doesn't make a summer but off, uh, hopefully we can back it up against Villa anyway on to the FA Cup next Monday Check your diaries. Keep 20, Saturday the 23rd of May clear, just in case. Um, in the first 20 minutes, we were pressing them, but we were waiting until they were in a half, really, yeah, yeah. to do that press. But then, after that chance by Rico, all of a sudden, we were in their half. Like, yeah. all of our players were in their half yeah, at one point. Hard. It was yeah. incredible. And um, some of that pressing yeah. was just... It's what teams have done to yeah. us, and we've been, like, tearing our hair out. Yeah. Had to get rid of the ball. It was brilliant. Okay, so there we go. Those were the fans' thoughts after the Brighton and Hove Albion match. And uh, you may hear a bit of background noise. That's because we're in the Barking Cat and I'm here with Neil Dawson. How did you feel after that, Neil? Does it feel like a weight off your shoulders? or? It was a, it was a massive weight off everyone's shoulders, I think. Um, it didn't look... At the first half hour, I think we thought we were on, in again for another night of misery. And then within... 
it took one goal, didn't it? And I've, yeah. no, I've not seen a team transform on the back of one goal as much as that one. It was, uh, it, it was. I mean, I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't at the game. I was watching it in a travel lodge in Warrington, yeah. and um, on a tiny little screen. But you could see the energy just lifted uh, instantly from the team. For the first 25 minutes, it was poor, and it was almost like we were watching the Bournemouth of old, wasn't it? Well, the Bournemouth this season, mm-hmm. where there was just no ideas, no creativity. But it was just, like, but it turned so quickly, mm. and then it looked like the Bournemouth that we, you know, that we used to see it. Yeah, it, it, it was literally. Uh, I mean, the second half in particular, the energy and effort that the players were putting in on the pressing, um, the movement, the the speed of passing between players that previously um, people that couldn't even find someone 15, 20 yards away with a ball and then it, it was like a memory clicked and everything came back to how it was so you know, whether or not it will uh, persevere into the Villa game because um, I think we'll see a different team um, tomorrow night but whether it persevere to the Villa game we'll have to wait and see but absolutely fantastic to watch and to a man each and every player seemed to be changed I, you know, I don't know if it's a, a team psyche thing or whatever but Ryan Fraser was playing really well he was running he was putting in hard yards even Philip Billing looked like he actually gave yeah. a damn for once and he's been looked very ponderous at times but I thought he and many others put in a shift whereby previously they were nowhere to be seen yeah I mean but again none of them played well for that first half out so it literally was I don't think it was the first goal I think it was the fact the second goal came relatively quickly afterwards and I think for the first time ever the team fell we're not going to lose this game. Yeah, or we, yeah. we, you know, we're, we're at the very worst. We're going to draw the game, and it was almost like that relaxation that went through them just completely transformed. So you're right. I mean, Philip Binging was running the game at spells in the second half when he's looked nothing at all like that. And Ryan Fraser, that's probably his best performance of the season. Dominic Solanke was that his best performance of the season? Yeah. Well, it, you know, seems to be the case, and it was almost like Eddie had some kind of pressure on him that we don't know about and the players were playing for him in a way whereby it was almost some kind of linchpin fixture yeah. like, it, like almost like his future depended on it um, but they came good and there seems to be at least I was worried about whether there was team unity and this sort of you know togetherness yeah. off the pitch but it seemed like on the pitch at least they seemed like a you know like a really close-knit group yeah I, I think I mean I don't know whether or not his future depended on it um, but I think the players would have been well aware that had we done another 3-0, 4-0 defeat um, like the Watford game, I think it would have made life very, very difficult for everyone. And um, I think that I think probably the senior pros would have had a word before the game or whatever. And I think it was a, guys, if ever you're going to do it, tonight's the night to do it. And Brighton probably ideal people to do that against because I think we had high hopes for Watford, but I think people probably forget that Watford are playing like a top six team at the moment. So... It was going to be hard, um, but Brighton, other than their win against us, had done very little before and very little since. So yeah. it was, you know, perfect team to play. So, so if you're going to look at three teams that we're going to hope to be pulling in, obviously what uh, Norwich are going to be one of them that yeah. you would think might be going down there, despite the result against us. Despite the result against um, us, Watford. Uh, you know, they lost against Villa, as I say, on the night. It would have been more ideal had they won, maybe. Um, but what three teams are you looking at, thinking right? These could be the ones that we can target. Is that the barking cat? <laughs> yeah, I think it might be. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think barking cat. that was a barking cat. I think the uh, I think without a shadow of doubt, obviously Norwich. I think Watford Villa we could have done with a draw there. Um, I think Villa will spend this week, uh, and I think they'll move away. So I think Brighton definitely we will be looking at pulling down there. I don't know who would the third one be. Who would else? That's the worry, isn't it?
So that was Neil Dawson and I chatting at the Barking Cat after the Brighton match and a little bit more positivity. If you want to see the full video of that, go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast because we also cover the Arsenal game and look forward to the match at the weekend against Aston Villa as well. Momentum is absolutely key in the Premier League and hopefully we can get three points when they visit us at the weekend. Speaking of the Barking Cat, if you ever want to pop down over a pint and chat all things cherries, then drop us a message because we usually record on Sundays and it would be great to get you on the show. Thanks also to CJ Churchill, to Jeff and also Tony for their thoughts after that match too. So, last night, AFC Bournemouth entertained Arsenal in the FA Cup. Jeff Hayward, he's been patiently standing by, so we're going to be going over to him shortly. But before that, it's time for this. So, of course, playing Arsenal last night in the Cup, Arsenal synonymous through the, was it, 90s, noughties and 10s with having the same manager, one whose whose name was the club pretty much. But yeah, probably left a bit later than he should have. I think his reputation was relatively intact when he did and he did work wonders for the Gunners over the years for sure. But Arsene Wenger, club legend for them, as is Eddie for us. Two long-serving managers, but this question is asking, can you name currently the three longest-serving managers in the Premier League and Football League? So that's the 92 clubs. Can you name the three longest-serving managers together with their respective clubs? The answer will be at the end of the show. So, yeah, the Gunners came to Dean Court last night in the fourth round of the FA Cup, but these are some audio reactions and fan thoughts from the match. It's a strong turn from Willock. Who ran a cook and fed Martinelli. And now Saka lashes it in. He gave that a full hit. And Arsenal are in a lead in a hurry. Lovely play by Arsenal. Lovely play. That's a super ball from Willock. Saka. Unketia. 2-0 the Gunners. Vastly, vastly superior yeah. and pulling clear. Yeah, brilliant by Arsenal. Awful from Bournemouth. Sorry to say. Hi, it's Mark here again. Um, I think what's frustrating me most recently, um, obviously we did have a good result against Brighton um, last week, but it's the... It's the fact that in the past we used to start games, we used to hit teams um, early on and we used to pose real threat from, from minute one. OK, yeah, we were um, culpable for conceding quite a few early goals as well by getting caught, but at least we made it difficult for teams. Um, we didn't show them too much respect. Um, and nowadays it seems, even in the Brighton game, for the first half an hour we weren't... We were outplayed for the first half an hour by... a ultimately one of our relegation rivals in all the other six pointers that we've had recently we've been outplayed regularly um and today we we turned up in the last 15 minutes maybe um 
the game was gone realistically um, and let's be honest we're playing an Arsenal team who are 10th in the league um, and they were missing a lot of their star players no Aubameyang no Lacazette no Ozil um, a lot of their first team players weren't playing so this was a real chance for us to to go at a, quite a poor Arsenal team and we just gave them all the time in the world um, didn't press them like we did in the Boxing Day game which led to a goal funnily enough um, and we just gave them far too much respect something like I say that we didn't used to do in the past from minute one um, gave them a two goal lead and then yeah you're fighting an uphill battle from then on Hi Ashley here from the main stand um, I'll take that second half performance this evening um, I was a bit concerned going into the game um, I wasn't worried about what the score was going to be I wasn't that bothered about winning which sounds a bit odd I just wanted to see us perform well uh, and keep some momentum up for the Villa game uh, next Saturday because of that, um, I was pretty glum at half-time. I thought we, we were poor in the first half. We were ponderous in our passing. Uh, too many individual errors. Again, you could see that lack of confidence or desire. And unfortunately, um, unlike the Brighton game, we found ourselves deservedly two down. It could have been more. Um, we did wake up in the second half. Um, our, the rhythm of our passing improved. Um, I thought we showed a little bit more intent with the ball. We moved the ball faster. We still lacked that little bit of quality in the final third, but you know we saw some of the football that we saw in the better sections against Brighton this evening. So you know, all in all, it's disappointing to lose the game, but for me, it's all about Saturday. Callum looked sharp. Fraser played well. Um, I think you know, as supporters, I think we've got a role to play on Saturday. We need to get behind the team. The team need to play for the first thirty minutes and not takes so long to get into the game but if we think about how that first goal went in against Brighton and then the inevitability of the second goal I think because of the atmosphere we need to make sure we get behind the team right from the first minute and hopefully they'll respond so let's all look forward to Saturday cheers Hi this is Nathan from the East Stand uh, unfortunately I wasn't at the match today I'm away with work so I've just finished watching it on BT Sport uh, the first 30 minutes wow that was as bad as I think I've seen us play uh, they showed a stat on BT Sport. We had four passes in the last in their third during the whole of the first 30 minutes. It was absolutely woeful. You could see the players were really frustrated. Players like Fraser in particular, he was his arms were all over the place. Uh, it was just really woeful. Before the game, we had the uh, draw that we potentially play League One Portsmouth. Well, I was looking forward to Premier League versus League One, but that first 30 minutes, I don't think that was far off at all. Second half, we showed improvements. Uh, at the end of the day, I think it's probably as, as good as we could have hoped for. We get a bit of confidence with the way that we played in the last five, ten minutes. Sam Surridge, fantastic for him to get a goal. At the end of the day, we do not want a replay at the Emirates. Uh, it was nice to have a bit of a run in the cup. We're doing better than we normally do. But that game against Villa is absolutely massive. Looks like we've come away with no injuries. So bring on Saturday. Bournemouth Villa, six-pointer in my opinion. Come on, Bournemouth. Hi Sam, Jeff, walking back from Dean Court to Southbourne, currently in Pokestown, uh, not getting wet, thank God, didn't get wet on the way here either, so that's a positive. Um, tonight, first off, we've just overrun a bit, loads more pace than us, um, second half I thought we gave it a good go. 
Um, great to get to see Surridge score his goal. Um, I haven't got really much else to say about tonight. Um, thought that when I saw the team selections, I thought Arsenal looked like they were taking it more seriously than we were. Um, so on to Villa on Saturday. Let's see if we really have got a bit of momentum. Um, look forward to it. Enjoyed the, enjoyed the North Stand tonight. Good to see a few old buddies in there. I'll be back in my normal seat in the main stand on Saturday. So come on, you cherries. Cheers. Last night, AFC Bournemouth then went down 2-1 at the hands of Arsenal in the FA Cup fourth round. We kind of scored a consolation, but it didn't really amount to much. I'm joined by Jeff Hayward. Jeff, how's it going? Not bad, Sam. Not bad at all. And uh, yeah, you witnessed that game last night then. So what, what were your thoughts on what we saw? My thoughts were that uh, we played well enough to give a bit of respectability that we were actually trying without actually being that serious about winning. That's how what it felt like watching it. You're saying it felt like a bit of a lip service was being paid. You know, we're, we're doing 75% of a job, but it, it wasn't a team uh, that did anything like it did against Brighton, was it? You could seriously tell that we were focused on something else and... Um, I I wish that we get to that sort of cup game and we're in comfortable mid-table or we've already got 40 points so we don't have to worry about the league position and we actually just go for it because watching that game, that was an inexperienced Arsenal team. Uh, Mustafi, they didn't have any uh, centre-half for the last, what, 30 minutes of that game and we, we seemed reluctant to get the ball in the box and... You know, just a bit passive again at the back, and all the sort of things that when we're when we're not really that bothered, it's what we mm. moan about. And it was mm. there, particularly in that first half. There wasn't enough pressure on the ball. Harry Wilson wasn't defending. The team didn't really know what they were doing. Yeah, it seemed to be a number of things combined, didn't it? So let's go through the team then. Travis Startling goal. Um, thought it might have been Arta Boric, actually, but not the case. Um, and then a back four of Adam Smith, Steve Cook, Nathan Ake and Jack Simpson on the left-hand side. Um, the, that's never worked well, has it? Well, one thing you knew that uh, Arteta was going to do was play three pacey forwards. Yeah. Pepe, Martinelli and uh, the other guy who they mm. brought back from Leeds the other day. Um, who scored, actually. I should remember his name, yeah, so forgive me for that. But um, uh, then we play Simpson at left-back. I mean, surely Lloyd Kelly deserves a chance. What What the heck is going on? Why, he was on the bench the other day. He can't have injured himself again in training, can he? Well, I don't know. It just seems, it seems a little bit crazy to me in that uh, we have an established right-back if it was not going to be Adam Smith, Simon Francis. I know that um, that's possibly not his best position um, these days and centre-back maybe is just because it would have been maybe so easy for Frano to have been outdone by their wingers as Adam Smith was numerous times anyway however you'd think that I mean it's all very well us saying this in hindsight after a 2-1 defeat but Adam Smith could have played on the left and Frano on the right um, but no he went with Simpson who you know let's face it he does need more experience but you know possibly a loan spell more than being played in a position that's not natural to him because what what good does that really do him? I think he's a sure. res- yeah, he's a reserve centre half, so th- it's unfair to play him at left back. 
So. Mm, and we, you know we seem to like doing that. I mean Nathan Ake gets chucked there every so often, and Jack Simpson. It's a, it seems odd when you can have a formation of players that know the positions uh, and have played in them for for years and years in their career. So anyway, a bit of an odd one. And then we had a midfield. Now you might have to guide me in terms of how we formed because I couldn't really <laughs> tell sitting in the north stand um, because uh, you know. When Arsenal went sort of 1-0 and then 2-0 up, it looked like Fraser was pushing up a bit more. But was it a 4-4-2 from the off or, or was so, it a kind of hybrid? So I think this formation that we're playing, it when they've got the ball, it's a 4-5-1. When we've got the ball, it's meant to be a 4-3-3. That, mm. that seems to me what he's trying to do. Mm. Um, uh, the, the, the problem is that the combination of midfield players doesn't seem to make that central three work particularly well or smoothly mm. like I couldn't tell you who was meant to be playing further forward obviously Sermon's meant to be the holding mm. midfield player in the centre but it I don't know Lewis Cook and Dan Gosling didn't seem to be working that brilliantly together and, no. and I'm sorry but I, and I, I don't know you know change the record but Harry Wilson is not a player who can play that sort of up and down uh, right hand side of midfield role he can't defend, and you know you said Adam Smith was exposed. He was exposed because they were running wings around Harry Wilson too. Mm. You know it was like uh, it, it, Arteta looked at the that sort of where's the Bournemouth weakness, and I think he spotted it. You know just play playing behind Harry Wilson because he's he's not mm. great at defending. And then, of course, we played with uh, yeah, Fraser and Wilson, as you say, as the wide men, and then Solanke up front. And uh, it, uh, it's just really funny looking at the. Um, just looking at the stats here, I mean, Dom Solanke obviously hasn't scored against top flight opposition yet. Um, and, you know, Solanke plays 89 minutes, doesn't score. Surridge came on 89 minutes and nets our only yeah. goal of the game. It's bizarre. But, I mean, yeah. in, in terms of that team, when you saw it, though, um, what, were your, what were your thoughts at first? And, you know, when you, especially when you compared it to Arsenal's starting eleven, It felt a bit of a mixed bag. I couldn't quite see how it was functioning. And we'll talk about Solanke mm. and how he played in the Brighton game, which I think was totally different to the role that he was used in tonight. So I don't want to be too harsh on him no. because actually I thought he, he had a, his best game for us the other night. Yeah. Uh, sorry, the other day against Brighton. No, it was the night, wasn't it? It was last Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. So, it's so, confusing with these games, yeah. Yeah, so um, I think it's... I don't know, it just, just didn't seem to quite work. Um, I th- a lot of player, a lot of fans would rather have seen Surridge on from the start in a game like that, maybe mm. uh, even given Dobre a chance rather mm. than... I think we know what Solanke is capable of. Mm. Playing him on his own up front is, isn't going to do him any favours. No, not at all. It's, it's not. And um, it seemed, though, throughout... Throughout the, I mean, Arsenal's side. I mean, they, you know, they had some individually fairly strong players that have been, you know, that have been put together in there. Uh, Pepe, um, you know, fans' favourite Xhaka, uh, Guendouzi, uh, Martinelli has recently impressed for Arsenal. Scored a, a great goal against Chelsea the other day. Um, experienced players like Mustafi and Bellerin, but there were a number of players also that, you know, that we could have got at. But we didn't, and that's the and that's the frustrating thing. And I've never, well, I say I've never seen a, a more passive team, um, the, you know, than Bournemouth against the Arsenal side for 35, 40 minutes yesterday. But it seemed to be that way. I mean, I thought we um, had barely any possession of the ball. Uh, we were had the inability to hold the ball up. 
it was just, you know, bouncing off us, whereas Arsenal were just absolutely dominating, weren't they? They were, um, and they pressed us really well. They closed down the space on the midfield really well. We, we, we struggled. Uh, so, they seem to be, yeah. It, they seem to be targeting, well, Jack Simpson with the ball over the top. Um, Adam Smith got caught, but as you say, that could have been Harry Wilson. That's uh, his... <laughs> poor positioning that led to a number of those situations but they seemed to have a lot of joy and then uh, what was it uh, it wasn't too long in at all um five minutes when Saka scored their opener and that was uh down the left and yeah f- sure enough a powerful shot from the angle which Travis yes. couldn't do much about but what's your view mm-hmm. on that goal well if you if you're if the opposition every player in their team touches the ball before it gets to the guy who actually scores it. Really? Wow. What was it? 20, 22 passes mm. and bypassing every Bournemouth player on that pitch. And we had everybody behind the ball in our defensive half mm. and we couldn't get close to it. It's like, well, when you press, we talk a lot about uh, the pressing game and what Arsenal did well tonight was they pressed as a team with a lot mm. of energy. And I think sometimes when you make too many changes as we did tonight, Players aren't particularly confident of their role mm. and they they didn't quite play well enough as a team to put pressure on the Arsenal guy with the ball or the, even the pass out for the Arsenal player. So, mm. so it's about anticipating not just who's got the ball but where he's going to pass to and closing those spaces down all at the same time. And we just didn't really seem able to do that, whether we had the appetite to do it or not, couldn't tell you. But it just felt like... We weren't really that bothered in the first half. Yeah, and that was reflected, I think, in the atmosphere as well, because it started off really loud and, and really good. And then as soon as they scored and then the passive nature of how we were playing after that, it just led to um, it being quite flat. And, you know, even the Arsenal fans were singing, is this the Emirates? A lot of self-deprecating humour from, you know, selfie stick FC. Um, well, they, you know, they are the footballing tourists, if, if ever they were um, a team. But they were, uh, you know, jeering us and um, saying, how shit must you be? We're winning away and all this kind of stuff. And But it was almost, it reminded me of those games against Man City against Liverpool in seasons gone by where we just let them have the ball and we try to soak it up and but when we did get the ball we never possessed that counter-attacking threat because they were on to us really really quickly and the fact that we just weren't holding it up passes were going astray um, we were a little bit slow we didn't have that cutting edge going forward didn't move forward at pace uh, it all seemed very slow which gave time for Arsenal to reset and do their job again. Whereas yep. when Arsenal, um, when you know, you know, when Arsenal move forward, they move forward at pace and quickly. And it was a combination of through the core of the middle of the park, playing it out wide, and lo and behold, uh, Enketio on twenty six minutes um, got on the end of another move that um, flowed through the pitch on their left flank and whipped ball in, and uh, it went to VAR. Oh, I don't know how close it was, Jeff. Well, there was a, a knee was offside for Martinelli, but he didn't right. touch the ball. So why okay. VAR was even looking at it is beyond me. So Took ages, yeah. Irrelevant. And um, I mean, he couldn't miss. It was, no. it was just, again, the the sort of um, the sort of passing that you, you wish we could be good at sometimes. Mm. But we just, at the moment, in games like tonight, I kind of lose track of the number of times we miscontrol the ball 
the yeah. number of times that the ball gets played at the wrong pace, so it's not into the player's stride. You have, they have to go back and collect it. The number of times that uh, we pass the ball sideways when we've got a forward pass on. You know, mm. we're deliberately slowing the game down. And I think, I think what we need to sort out is this mentality, which, when we talk about the Brighton game, we actually did quite well of getting the ball forward quickly rather than just overpassing it for the sake of going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, it, you know, it, it seems to be, you know, that the, there are certain players that came in and I don't want to criticise them individually because they were put into positions that, you know, for instance, Jack Simpson, he doesn't have that natural uh, let's look forward, let's attack. Um, when he gets the ball on the flank, he's he's not looking to do that. He's always coming back. But then... Conversely, after Arsenal scored their second, there was a moment where Fraser and Simpson were both going down the left flank. It's almost like he's been told, let's attack. And then for the last five, ten minutes of the first half, we actually possibly looked the better side for in glimpses. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that gave me a bit of positivity going into the second half because I thought, you know, if we do more of that, then, you know, we might have a chance here. Yeah, we played a bit more on the front foot. I think Fraser was was getting more of the ball and looking more dangerous, certainly down that left-hand side. Uh, a couple of sort of chances, not quite connecting in front of goal, but actually um, it was better. And I think they just, you know, look at, look at when we play well and when we're strong. It's because we're getting the ball wide and we're getting the ball into dangerous positions and we're not afraid to get the ball in the box. Mm. Yeah, it's no, hard. It's, I like, you know, it's no, not it's, hard, you know. No, that's right. So yeah, two and a half time, and then uh, I don't know. It, it it felt like to me the second half was marginally better, but yeah. we just didn't seem to be able to get any momentum. Not helped by the amount of times that Arsenal players went down. Um, I think one of them was stretched off, so obviously that was a legitimate injury. But it seemed they yeah. went to ground all the time and it was just so difficult to build up head of steam yeah um not yeah not great yeah very professional i think is the phrase for that sort of behavior mm. and and let's face it you know when we're winning two nil away from home we we'd be up to the same tricks but uh it's very frustrating to watch i mean that uh, gunduzi yeah. annoys the hell out of me it's it's kind of like i think he he is the he's the mini me of david louise who i can't yeah. abide either yeah. That hair and that look, you know, he's just got... Well, anyway, so I can't bear him. And he was throwing himself to the floor and actually he was having a bit of a, a running battle with Gosling. Yeah, he was. There was but a, yeah, there was to a his few... credit, he, To his credit, he sort of ran the game somewhat, though, didn't he, for Arsenal? Uh, annoyingly. Yeah. yeah, annoyingly he did. And they even in the, the second half, yeah, we, we were playing with more energy and passion and uh, trying to be more on the front foot. But Arsenal still look comfortable and they look dangerous on the break as well. I mean, when they got the ball wide to, to Saka, he, he's a good player. Uh, very mm. young, but a great player. We seem, to be clo- we seem to be closing them down a little bit better, though, in the second half. And it felt like they had less clear-cut chances. Um, yeah. Or certainly less possession in our half as well. Um, I don't know how it yeah. looked on the TV. But, um, I mean, we had a great chance when Simpson nodded that header just the other oh. side of the post. I mean, oh, that, close. that was a great yeah. chance. Close, and uh, I think he thought he'd scored. He started wheeling away, thinking he'd scored. Mm. Um, but again, you know, you look at where Arsenal are vulnerable. I think sometimes we just need to be a bit smarter. 
we're, we, we, we've got this fixation of playing our game, you know, nice, pretty football. But mm. sometimes against a team like Arsenal, in the old-fashioned phrase, they do not like it up them. Mm, yeah. Away from home, sometimes you've got to put bodies in the box, stick the ball in there, play a bit of a, a, a Burnley-esque direct game, Mm. And that will get results. And I just think we, we're we just not smart enough to recognise, OK, so they're pressing us with all these players. That must mean there's an option to long ball it, don't you think? Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I kind of liked what we did against Brighton. As someone said, I think it was Nick Case on Twitter, said that uh, just before our first goal, Philip Billing had the ball and most fans were willing him to play Enrico on the left side but as soon as he got that ball Callum Wilson went on this run and then he played this long it seemed aimless at the time ball forward but it created a massive space between Brighton's defence and midfield and yeah I think it was Dunk won the header but then we picked it up with Solanke who then laid in Harry Wilson and um, it seemed to be um, again we only had one style of playing again and there you know we were quite afraid to sort of mix it up Um what do you think of Sermon's inclusion what, and how his performance was? Well, uh, I can understand why he got included. Um, we needed to to arrest Lerma and he did well in the game against Luton. Mm. Um, uh, I think you can see that he's a little bit off the pace, uh, particularly mm. playing against a younger, more energetic, uh, organised side like Arsenal. Mm. You know, they did close him down quite well. And... I, I think not only Sermon was made to look slightly pedestrian, a lot pedestrian, mm. but I think um, Lewis Cook, for me, seems to have lost that ability yeah. to play the pass and see the pass early. And I was seeing number... so many mistakes from him. I was, uh, you no, know, mistake after mistake, misplaced passes. No. Just just giving the ball away needlessly. And you think, that's not the Lewis Cook that I remember from last season. No. And I really worry about his form in particular, mm. we talked about him being one of the brightest prospects. He's uh, plateaued massively, it seems, really that he, he really has. And um, there were little moments, but, you know, not enough. And there were just mm. some simple things that were that he were he was doing wrong. And I think, I don't know, I've, I've always thought that... I always used to think that Sermon and Lewis Cook were actually fairly similar because they're both players that like to spread the ball out wide and I, I thought yeah. it would have maybe favoured having a different type of player in there rather than having Lewis Cook and Sermon but we've been crying out for this so you you know we can't really complain but yeah it I don't know we've we always sort of focus on um certain positions when things go wrong but that that midfield three to me um I mean they didn't run the show whatsoever there were there was no there were sparks in the second half yeah. um but i don't know it, it just seems that we're a confident side and when we uh, had a number of chances towards the well i say a number of chances just a, you know the momentum was growing you know we did look better so it seems like we are a confident side and you know, sam surridge you know, pops up and you know arguably um we could have nicked an equalizer but in terms yeah. of getting in the right positions but we just didn't have that clear cut finish well, I, I think, first of all, Sam Surridge, great finish. Yeah. And, and that sort of uh, goal scorer's nous, something that Solanke is sadly missing. Mm. And playing Surridge with Wilson felt, felt like a bit better. You know, Surridge mm. put himself about it. He wanted to be there. He wanted to play 
lots of energy and he anticipated that ball mm. great finish really calm brilliant but then um followed by the next near miss where again we're lumping the ball into the box not a great mm. deal of finesse or thought to it just get the ball in the mixer mm. comes out to lewis cook and that yeah, summed up lewis it, cook yeah. you know that for an england under 20 international get that ball on target you could tell his body position he's just leaning back that is going to go over and it's mm. such a again a simple thing if he's playing with confidence and belief that is at least on target and who knows could have been 2-2 could have been a, a return fixture at the emirates and who knows the delight of going to pompey yeah well that's right i mean a few people were texted and said you know at 2-1 it was almost like eddie didn't want that goal to go in because you know at the end of the day a 2-1 loss i mean i'm not happy with the manner of certain elements of the performance but i don't think a 2-2 would have done anything for us um, maybe it would have created a bit of momentum ahead of Villa at the weekend, uh, perhaps. But then, you know, whenever that replay would be, um, maybe it's not ideal. I, I don't know. And it, at the end of the day, this week, we've got two cup finals. Uh, well, two cup matches. That was one of them. But Saturday mm. is the cup final, isn't it? Saturday is the big one. And... We should all be feeling super encouraged after the way we played against Brighton, particularly mm. in that last 10 minutes of the first half and the first sort of 10, 15 minutes of the second half. Yeah. Where um, we were outstanding and outstanding, I think, in a number of areas. There's a lot that's been said about uh, Ramsdale and some blinding saves that he made. Yeah. I think I think watching the game... The trigger for me, actually, was that chance for Rico. Yeah, yeah. And watching that, where um, Solanke bursts down that uh, right-hand side, pulls the ball back across the box, and it comes to Rico, and you're just willing him to, yeah, yeah. to score. <laughs> but actually, the fact that he had a shot and nearly scored seemed to galvanise everybody. And from mm. then on, you know, we had, what, three or four chances in a row. And it was absolutely no surprise when we went in 1-0 and then 2-0. You know, mm. just just fantastic bit of momentum. Confidence came flooding back. Yeah, that's right. And just briefly, any uh, any positive shoots from t from the game? So positive shoots, positive shoots from the Arsenal game. I think Surridge deserves that super sub role. Um, I think that's clear. Um, don't play Solanke on his own up front if that's a positive shoot. I think it mm. possibly is. Um, yeah, uh, but you're sort of thinking the positive shoots are maybe um, th things that Eddie has decided that you know he ha he now knows do not work. Perhaps yeah, maybe like that, Jack Simpson that, left back, Solanke yeah. on his own. And don't don't play Jack Simpson left back. And I, I I'm sorry, but that should have been Lloyd Kelly there. He must be injured because he yeah. should have been in that team tonight. Um, he needs he needs game time so that we can see how good he is if Rico gets suspended or injured, which might mm. easily happen. So. Yeah, you know, I think I think those were the positives. I think, okay, we lost two one. It was respectable without actually looking in any way, shape, or form that we were ever going to win that game. Mm, yeah, and it's it's interesting to say, the reason why I started the five word match report on Twitter was so I could get a brief glimpse of what 
fans were thinking without having to necessarily read paragraphs and paragraphs. And these are some of the ones that have just been coming through. Craig said, showed Arsenal too much respect. No distractions from the league now, said Christopher. Disappointed, but league is priority, said Stephen. Tommy Heffernan's poodle guy, that is uh, hard to watch yet again. Uh, AFCB Rob says 4-5-1 on Saturday uh, Dave too little far too late priority given to our relegation said Tim um, Saka 18 annihilates Cherry's defence said Will Partridge um, don't play the old fuckers said Refrigeration Red uh, James focus on league uh, Ian say we uh, say we are staying up um, Pompey isn't an away day anyway said James again Solanke not a football player said Gary a little bit harsh uh, start Surridge against Villas said James. Jake, Eddie throws another cup match. Fucking try a bit harder, said Stephen Russell. Time to focus on survival, said Ross. You can see a theme that Mm. um, people are focusing on the league and, you know, maybe that was in Eddie's thoughts. And as Neil Dawson said, it was like Brighton never happened. (laughs) Yeah, it did did feel chalk and cheese. Even even in that first 30 minutes against Brighton, where they had a lot of the ball, we pressed much better. We had much more intensity and energy in our play. Mm. The players wanted it. And tonight was like slipping back into old habits of let them have the ball and we're not too bothered about getting it back, which is just completely opposite to how they played in that first half against Brighton. Now, before myself and Jeff go on to preview the huge match against Villa on Saturday. Oh, my God, it's going to be absolutely massive. Um, oh, I can't keep thinking about it. Um, of course, on last week's show, you'll have heard from Dave Fitzgerald from Lashings talking about their Legends Live event that's going to be happening on April the 2nd at the Village Hotel in Bournemouth, featuring three stars from Cherry's past, namely Steve Jones, Luther Blissett and Paul Morell. You will have heard a little bit about it, and uh, you can also see the following interview that you're about to hear on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash AFCB. But I caught up with Dave to chat a little bit more about the event and what people can expect on the night. And also with us was Scott Charlton, who is the voice of Lashings. Lashings is a sports-based event company, best known uh, as the Harlem Globetrotters of cricket, actually. Its um, roots are in cricket, uh, but we all do do all sorts of sporting speaker events, really. You know, we work with, you know, household names, the likes of Phil Tufnell, Frank Bruno, uh, Paul Merson, uh, Ray Parler, you know, all sorts of, uh, of speakers. And... You know, you can be done in various formats, but sometimes it can be quite expensive for fans to actually go to these type of events. So, oh yeah, I mean, I've seen some you're sort of evening with events, and you, you know, you're starting at sixty quid a ticket or, or whatever. But that's not real. That's not. I, you know, most of us. I, I'm lucky enough. I've got two young children. It's, I wonder how my dad ever managed to pay for us to go to football. It's, it's a lot of money. And the other thing that we identified, I remember one particular event, and there was a table we both identified and there was a guy in a black dinner suit sat next to a guy in a shirt and t-shirt and nobody kind of knew how to dress everybody has a meal that nobody wants an auction that goes on too long 
and then 20 minutes of a speaker which is a lot of money to pay for that little bit so we've kind of cut it right back and made it completely accessible yeah access all areas we we don't stream it live for obvious reasons because we do talk about things that yeah. you know matter to Bournemouth fans yeah. and some of it's not necessarily we tell it the way it is we don't have to put soft coating on it you know I think with the, the Bournemouth side of things as well is that you know Scott and I purchased the Lashings brand uh, just coming up to two years ago now uh, it was headquartered out in Maidstone and we've moved uh, the headquarters and the back office here to, to Bournemouth yeah. so you know you've got a, a sporting uh, speaker events company that goes up and down the country works with household names but it's going to be brilliant to do an affordable event yeah. for the fans of our local yeah, club you know and w- the, the guys that we've got who I guess we'll talk about you know all through the different eras of Bournemouth mm. you know no one knows it better you know better than us in terms of actually putting it on stage so and then if we can get the fans there what we'd like to call the turnstile fans yeah it'll be a fantastic night for everyone to mingle and enjoy some uh, Nostalgia and stories. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, we always love a good story, and um, I'm sure you'll be getting the best out of them. So, let's hear the names. Who is going to be there on the night? So on the night we've got um, Luther, Luther Blissett. Yeah. Um, we've got Steve Jones, uh, so two strikers, and uh, a good friend of ours, Paul Morell, ah, um, yeah. absolute legend of the club, and, and as say. Uh, very close to us as well. We wouldn't do the first event, event without Mozzie, I don't think. No. He, play, he played left back, did he, for Bournemouth? Oh, was it? I think, I think so. One of the greatest left backs of I've ever yeah. seen. Yeah. I, I've ever seen. He was a quality, quality player. Offered the chance to go away. He might talk about it on the night, yeah. but stayed at Bournemouth. And one of those real. He, he was quality, absolute quality. And of course, Luther. I mean, if you have a stand named yeah. after oh, you on telly. Yeah. And also Steve Jones as well. Yeah. Steve Jones. What yeah. a goal scoring hero he was. Yeah, yeah he was indeed. Yeah. Obviously, you know, did very well at West Ham as well and uh, you know we, we've been interacting with him he's done some things with Lashington in the past mm. as as had Luther um, but um, a, a really good guy a prolific goal scorer and although he didn't play many many games for Bournemouth he was a he was a real favourite he was a fan favourite you know yeah. you get, sometimes get that you get a player that just seems to come blindside everyone and and it was just the way he played his football. I think it was the Bournemouth way. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. The he um, he scored goals. He showed a lot of passion. And then I think he went to Charlton. But then he came back on loan for a bit. That's and then right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Scored four in five games or something. Yeah. So um, he's a and we needed those four. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's been on the podcast as well and speaks very well, very freely, which I love because there's nothing worse at the moment when you see these interviews after the games with these footballers. And they're all sort of media trained responses, and yeah. you don't really get much out of them. But I gather you're going to be getting some cracking stories out well, of these did, three. Well, we did a few years ago. We did, um, I guess it's going to become a taster event now, but we did an evening uh, for Paul Morell, yeah. you know, a, a standalone event. It's a recognition. And there were recognition and had a lot of his family and friends there, but also a lot of uh, fans as well. And what you do get in that format, and with the Legends Live, it's going to be extended out to a panel. Yeah. So you do get the interaction. We will have the audience questions to everyone on the panel not just kind of one at a time in 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 that way and it's like you said you know with Bournemouth fans with the memories you've got Luther you know his home debut you know he scored all those goals and you know nearly scoring against Manchester United uh, in the FA Cup with Richard Cook's cross we're hoping Cookie's going to be coming down on the night as well to say hello and then obviously with Mozzie I mean I remember first going to Bournemouth in the early 80s going in the old newsstand and if you think we're close to the crowd now in those days you're literally you know when they're warming up they're literally there yeah and um, it's not the green rub yes <laughs> the first half will be a, an individual interview with each of the players um Sort of, uh, sort of chat show style. We like to do like a bit like a, a Piers Morgan live story, so likely to be a bit of video footage 
in yeah. there as well. Oh, nice. And then just to put it in context, really, you know, it's, yeah. the older you get, the better it was. And we're going to remind everyone it was better in those days. <laughs> yeah. But incredibly, there is some footage of those players actually playing. And it doesn't matter how old you are, when you see these guys actually performing, it kind of puts it all in context. So we're working quite hard on getting some highlight footage and, uh, and bits and pieces. It just will put it on context. So the younger fans who don't remember with love like we do will get the gist, you know. And there has been a bit of a rift between the older Bournemouth fans and the younger Bournemouth yeah, fans. Yeah. I, 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 I was there when we won promotion. I've written tracksuit climbing over the roof at, <laughs> at um, Fulham down at Craven yeah. Cottage. And that, I, I was there when Leeds came down and rioted. Yeah. I was there when we beat Manchester United. Was I, yeah, I was yeah, there, you know. yeah. And uh, so and there's an awful lot of people around the town that for whatever reason yeah. that there is another podcast can't or don't get a chance to go and see the, yeah. the team yeah. play in the heyday now. And in a lot of ways, you know, we often forget our history. And without these guys back in the day, oh, yeah. Yeah. without the, you know, I remember the crowd singing Bournemouth and Boscombe, Bournemouth and Boscombe. Yeah. And we were the longest name in the league. Yeah. You know, yeah. they said the football clubs of Bournemouth and Boscombe. Yeah. Four. And it didn't happen <laughs> yeah. often, but then when they were at James Alexander Gordon. Yeah. And I think that's the sort of the old days that the, the memories are still there. And of course, the saddest part is if any one of those players was in the game today, yeah. we wouldn't get anywhere near them. So tickets then, they start at uh, ten pounds. Pretty, de- pretty decent price. £10. Yeah. So tell me about the ticket structure. So the, yeah, the ticket structure is um, ten pounds uh, plus yeah. the, the, the small charge of the online charge as well. That's available on Eventbrite. Yeah. Uh, so if you go on www.eventbrite.co.uk yeah. in the search bar, type in Legends Live Charity Special, something like that, and you'll yeah. be at, get access to those tickets. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've got in on in off the far post uh, the uh, shopping. Oh, yeah. In sort of bos- between Postdown and Boscombe, uh, on the main road there, quite near the club as well. You can uh, pop in there, and they've got some tickets as well. So it's ten pounds to start with uh, for standard tickets, and thirty-five pounds. Uh, there's a limited number of those for a pre-show meet and greet, VIP mm. meet and greet. And it's on April the second, is it? And the village at the village hotel. Yes. And what time does that all kick off? Uh, so. The show will start about 8.15, doors will open for VIP at 7 o'clock and uh, 7.30 for um, standard tickets. That's to get into the function room, but you've got the bar there with food available on the night as well if you want to come down a bit earlier and um, just uh, enjoy the whole evening. This is Steve Jones and you're listening to Back of the Net. So on Saturday, ASC Bournemouth will be entertaining Villa. It's our third home game in a row and Jeff is still with me. And Jeff, after the the disappointment of the Arsenal game, we need to be really taking the positives out of what we did well against Brighton um, and learning from what we did wrong against Arsenal, maybe, do you think? Totally. There are so many positives that came out of that Brighton game. I would not be at all surprised if he plays exactly the same 11 again. Mm. And um, where before the Brighton game, we looked at that team sheet, I looked at that team sheet and thought, he's playing Solanke with Wilson again. Um, But actually, that worked. That worked the the Mm. best I've seen it work all season against Brighton. Um, Dom Solanke looked like a player, which... Mm which was great. Um, I thought Billing played on the front foot much more and was 
sliding tackles were going in mm. from Billing as well as the usual sort of interceptions. Um, so Billing and Lerma, which I thought might lack creativity, actually didn't, mm. and that was good to see. Mm. Harry Wilson was the the kind of coming in on the left foot and shooting with real threat and purpose for much of the game. Mm. And the back four played well. So, you know, all in all, loads of positives to take out that Brighton game. Mm. Um, and I think he, he he's kind of got the players playing the way that he wanted them to play as a team, in a team. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me that we've not started on the front foot for a long time. And I think that's what we need because as soon as we started to do that against Brighton, then we turned it around. So against Villa, we need to... We really need to start off like that. And I can't remember the last match that was like that. Maybe Southampton away. Um, it seems quite a long time ago whereby we started off so strong. Maybe Newcastle actually away. Mm. That um, I thought that first 30 minutes was actually excellent. And we should and could have put the game to bed. But we didn't. We had so many chances. Um, Fraser was guilty of missing a couple in that one. It's just we need to get the fans on side. And, uh, you know, we can do what we can do. But, you know, it seems to me that when the Cherries 11 on the pitch actually start to play, then it is a together, like anything is possible style atmosphere. And I've never heard Eddie has, has a dream, had a dream so loud than what I did in the last match. Maybe Southampton, as I said, the first mm. Premier League season, it was so loud. And then... Um, you know, we will gain a lot of momentum from it, but we have to start fast and start early. And it's something that we've really been missing. I just don't quite understand as players, how can you be so poor for 25 minutes and so passive and then play like worldies for the remaining of the first half? Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. They're, um I'd love to know what motivates the players mm. and what, what Eddie's team talk is like sometimes before the game starts because um, against against Villa, we absolutely need to start on the front foot. They're going to be nervous before the mm. game. They know it's a must-win or at least must get a point from game. And I know that when they played uh, against Brighton, the previous fixture, yeah. they were poor... Brighton should have won that game, ended up drawing 1-1 because all that Villa have, sorry if there are any Villa fans listening, but it's pretty much Jack Grealish. Yeah, I was about to say, were you Yeah, were you going to say that name? Yeah, and uh, Neil Dawson on, on, on a YouTube video previously said, you know, don't boo Tyrone as well because he's going to be up for it as well. And uh, he had the better of Callum Wilson at Villa Park when we played him earlier this season. Obviously, we got the result, but um, yeah. Other than other than sort of Tyrone Mings as their sort of defensive stalwart, you're kind of thinking, mm, who else they got? Yeah, and Jack Grealish, the socks down look like he hasn't got any shin pads, can't stand that. But he swaggers around and, you know, very technically gifted, low central gravity and, you know, can do things. And we don't really seem to have that player, do we, that, that you know, that can do that. But, um, uh, you know, I feel as though aside from that, you know, man for man, we are better and we must be getting a result. And for momentum, this match is absolutely vital. They were beaten 3-0 by Watford not too long ago and beaten quite comfortably. They don't have a centre forward. They're mm. going to be playing without a recognised number nine. We've got to win it. Yeah, my God. Uh, the, uh, the the one other player that you didn't mention there is Pepe Reina, who they have signed as their reserve goalkeeper. Mm. Lots of experience, fine keeper for Liverpool for many years. So... 
uh, yeah, I, I think we're going to need plenty of shots to, to get a result, um, which again has not been something we've been renowned for in recent times. Uh, we need to play like we did, like we did for that sort of purple patch against Brighton, where it's pressure, it's it's getting in behind them, it's Fraser playing on fire, it's Callum playing yeah. like the old Callum, and you know really really being physical, giving it to them, getting at them and scoring lots of mm. goals. And, I, and you get the feeling that uh, Callum, um, whenever Callum scores, you get the feeling that you know, everything goes well for us, like, almost. Yeah. And, you know, if we've yeah. got a Callum that's firing and confident, then, you know, we've got half a chance. Can I trouble you for a prediction at this point in time? Yeah, I'm going to go for a 2-0 for us. Oh, oh I was going to say that. Right, I better not then. 3-1 <laughs> uh, mm, then, 3-1. I've got a feeling okay. it'll be the same as Brighton. Um, but, yeah, fingers crossed. Um, you know, that is our cup final. That, you know, this is a learning curve against Arsenal. Let's put all of the positive things from Brighton into Villa and let's take the negatives from Arsenal away. Yeah, and one more thing. The other result to keep an eye on this weekend is West Ham against Brighton. Oh, huge game. Because West Ham will have games against Liverpool twice and Manchester City yeah. in, their next, in their next three fixtures. So, yeah. you know, if, if that game goes badly for West Ham and Aston Villa lose to us, I would put money on Claret and Blues being the unlucky colour of the Premier League. Well, um, yeah, they, you know, they've got some tough matches ahead. Um, oh, you know, of course, so have we. But, um, you know, you look at fixtures that, I mean, we're, we are fearing matches like, you know, Sheffield United away. Well, we shouldn't really. I mean, who would have thought yeah. it? But, you know, they, they've shown a certain amount of steeliness, but they are there to be got at. Yeah, if we if we can get a result against Villa, I think that sets us up for two away games where we can get points away at Sheffield United and Burnley mm. with the same attitude and the aggression and the um, commitment from the players. Mm. We shouldn't be afraid. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, Jeff, once again, uh, albeit not in the best circumstances, it was great to have your company once again on the podcast. Uh, great to be here, Sam. Thanks very much for having me. So there we go. Another podcast is in the can, not the result we really wanted at the Vitality. And I've decided to call the podcast a learning curve because that's what it is. Take the best out Brighton and lose the worst from Arsenal and against Villa. Hopefully we'll, we'll be in good stead for three points. Let's hope so anyway. We did do any fan chats uh, after yesterday, but we got plenty of audio submissions as well. Um, even Mark Jackson, who submitted some of his audio. If you go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB, you can hear his full piece. And it's pretty decent, I've got to say. Love having the audio feedback. And if you want to get involved, then check out our latest tweets because you'll see all the numbers and all the email addresses, all that kind of stuff on there. Thanks again for all the support we've had for the podcast. It's been it's been really amazing. Some good reviews too. And you can donate a coffee to us by going to afcbpodcast.com slash coffee if you like what you hear. Or if not, you can leave a review for free. Just go to your podcast app and 
say some kind words if you can. Now, do you remember at the start of the show, of course, uh, we were playing Arsenal last night and Arsene Wenger was, well, he was a long-serving manager, just like Eddie Howe is for us. But I asked for the list of the top three longest-serving managers in English football. That's the 92 clubs. So, coming in at number three, sound like Bruno Brooks now. Was he part of U-Tree? No, he wasn't. Okay, I can say him. Um, Sean Dyche uh, for Burnley, uh, Premier League, of course. He's been in charge seven years and 89 days. Ian, at number two, Eddie Howe, of course. AFC Bournemouth's manager, seven years and 107 days. But number one, non-mover, Gareth Ainsworth, manager of Wickham Wanderers, who are doing very well in League One, actually. Uh, seven years and 125 days. So I don't see him being sacked anytime soon. So Gareth Ainsworth, Eddie Howe and Sean Dyche. And just in case you're interested, John Coleman is at number four for Accrington Stanley and Jurgen Klopp for Liverpool at number five. So thank you once again for listening to Back of the Net. Really appreciate all the feedback we've been having and fingers crossed it'll be a bit more of a positive episode. We're back to our usual Monday schedule, but do remember, do subscribe to the podcast, do subscribe to YouTube because we'll be posting AFC Bournemouth content all the time that we can. Anyway, cheers for listening. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Enjoy your Tuesday. Shardy to get it into the box. Francis eventually does. Surridge is in and scores! And Bournemouth have a late interest here. Sweet feed from Sam Surridge. Spied his chance and gobbled it up. And the ball went in the box. That was the main thing. And it just shows you... Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.